0: Amen. You know, there's always something going on. So if you think you uh, have some spare time, get involved. Get involved with something that's going on at the church. <clears throat> um, God is so good. You know, I'm standing here this morning. and I just felt, as we were singing, uh, such an awesome presence of God. And, and I, I just I started to get butterflies in my stomach. And, I, you know, sometimes you think, well, is that nerves? Is that what is... But I just felt the power of God's spirit. I just felt him so close to me, and I, and I hope that all of us have felt exactly the same way. Uh, thanks for the, the team for leading us, such an awesome praise and worship, and just allowing the presence of God to, to move this morning. Um, I'm going to continue on uh, what Pastor Larry's been speaking on for the last four weeks of our consecration. Um, Great to see uh, Joseph, is it Joseph? And Deb met before the church. Welcome. I know it's your first time. Great to have you with us this morning. Um, Consecration. And Joshua 3 verse 5 says, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And as I thought about that, you know, Pastor Larry has been talking about consecration and 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 taking us through what consecration looks like and and um, how the consecration is more than just these 40 days. It's about it's an ongoing, lifelong experience. And I wrote down this question: What is consecration? And I guess we could say, you know, is it is it the the um, the amount or the, the amount of time that I'm prepared to surrender to God? Or is it what I am prepared to give up? Or is it the strength of my commitment to God? What is consecration really all about? And as I thought about that, I thought, you know what? We have these questions and we say, well, is it this or is it that? But I don't believe that any of those questions come close to answering what consecration is. Because I believe consecration is far greater than any of those questions. Because you know what? I don't believe we have a choice. Because those questions sound like we give a, it gives us a choice. Do I, How much do I surrender to God, or or how much do I commit to God, or what am I prepared to give up for God? We don't have that choice, but those questions make it sound like we do. But consecration is not about having a choice because we don't have that choice. We have a choice. The Bible says, you know, here, today you choose life or death. You can make that choice. What do you want to choose? You choose life or death. Do you choose to follow Christ or do you, you, know, do you choose to, to serve the Lord God or do you choose to serve Baal? You've got that choice. But once you've made that choice, you have no choice. Does that make sense? Once you've made the choice, you've got no choice. And we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit this morning because you know what? What we're talking about this morning is good news. Amen. And it may not sound like it when I'm talking to you and as I go through it, but it actually is good news. Dwight L. Moody said, The world has yet to see what God will do with a man or a woman fully consecrated to him. The world has yet to see. Watchman Nee said, A forgiven sinner is quite different to an ordinary sinner. And a consecrated Christian is quite different to an ordinary Christian. So what is consecration? Consecration. We consecrate ourselves to the Lord with our mind and our emotions and our will and our attitude and our behaviors and our, our resources and our time and our, our talents and our relationships and careers and our skills and our family and our culture. Oh, that's not the way I was brought up. I wasn't taught that. We don't do that in our country, we don't do that in our in in our in our culture. Our finances, our plans, our, our priorities, our services, and our lifestyle. It's a moment-by-moment moment experience of yielding our rights. And sometimes we think it's a, we're doing God a favour. Man, if I consecrate myself to God, if I really get down on my knees and, and give my all to God, I'm doing God a favour. I'm actually sacrificing. I know the Bible says, you know, bring your body a living sacrifice. But we think we're actually doing God a favour and God is happy with that. But you know what? It's not a favour. It's not a courtesy to God. It's not a sacrifice to God. It's our honour to be able to consecrate our lives to God. It's our honour. 2 Corinthians 6 and 17 says, Therefore, come out from among them and be separated, says the Lord, and don't touch the unclean thing and I will receive you. Consecration is not necessarily a separation, but separation is a form of consecration. And as we allow ourselves to, to be separated from the world and we allow ourselves to understand that, you know what, we're not the same. God has picked us up and, and, and pulled us out, and we are, sep- we are to be separate. Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, just a reasonable service. That, In other words, that's what's expected of us. And so I consecrate myself to God by willingly surrendering myself to God, by willingly coming to him and separating myself and surrendering willingly to the things of God and to his lordship. And to, please him and to do what is pleasing to him. I know Pastor Larry said a couple of weeks ago, You know, if we had to choose between pleasing God and obeying God, what would we choose? And obviously the answer would be we would choose to obey God. But you know what? In our obedience to God, we actually please him. Yeah. Yeah. And the scripture says that, that when a man's ways please Jehovah, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So if you've got enemies, well, cause your ways to please God. Be obedient to the things of God. Jesus said, you know, the, he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. Why? Because I do always those things that please him. And if, and, and if we continue to obey the things that God asks us to do, then we will be pleasing to him. In the, in the, the, the course of the last three or four weeks, um, Pastor Larry's mentioned a couple of times about different aspects of, of, of consecration. And um, this morning, he, he, and he also brought out the fact that we are slaves. And this morning, I want to take that, that concept of slavery a little bit further and talk about being a slave. Amen. Now, being a slave is a, is a, a reasonably harsh word. And uh, people would prefer to use the word Servant. Or in some circumstances, bond servant. And if you read the King James version in the New Testament, you'll find that very often it talks about the servants and talks about. And I'm not I'm not trying to move away from that. We we are servants to the Most High God. I understand that that aspect of it. But when they trans when the 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 New the New Testament translators translated the the um the Bible into the King James version, often that word. For the Greek word for, for slave, which is doulos, they transferred into servant. Why? Because slavery was abhorrent, and it still is today. And 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 the word slave just con- it brings up it conjures up a, a very demeaning aspect of, of our of who we are and of people. And to you, you calling me a slave, I don't mind if you call me a servant because you know what? I don't mind serving. I don't mind sweeping the floors or cleaning the dishes or whatever else. I can I can be a servant, but now you're telling that I'm actually a slave which is is, is so much more harsher than just being a servant. And sometimes we even use the word bondservant, which means slave, but we use the word bondservant on the translation bondservant because it's not as harsh as the word slave. And so uh, we call ourselves a bondservant because you know what, that sounds better. But that's not what the Bible intended. That's not what God intended. 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to read through scripture today that we've probably read through and we've probably heard about over the last four weeks. But I want to do them again because they they do drive home an aspect of what we want to talk about this morning. And 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit in you, whom you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And two things there, the Holy Spirit in you whom you have of God. So it's it's an outside thing. God gives you the spirit. So therefore you have that of God. But it goes on to say, you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your body and your spirit, which are God's. So that word are is plural. It's not which is God's, it's which are God's. So both your body and your spirit belong to God. They are both his, which are God's. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You are not your own. You've been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You don't belong to yourself. You know, I could stop right there. We could close in prayer and go home because really that's the the message. You're not your own. You belong to Jesus Christ. I love that song we used to sing years ago. I love to hear his voice saying, you belong to me. You are not your own, but the price you're bought and you're mine eternally. Think about it. Oh, I love to, I'll sing it if I if I if I could, but but I won't. Tracy's going, no, don't, don't, don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love to hear his voice saying, "You belong to me. You are not your own. With a price you're bought, and you're mine eternally." Hallelujah, Hallelujah. But <clears throat> the New Testament translators didn't like the word slave, doulos. Didn't like it. And so when you when you read the, the the Bible and the King James Version, you won't come across slave that very often. John 8.34 says, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly I say to you, whoever practices sin is the servant of sin. Romans 6.16 says, Do you not know that to whom you yield yourselves as servants to obey, you are servants to whom you obey, whether it is of sin to death or of obedience to righteousness. But then you look at the new translations, you actually get the gist of what it's talking about. And it's saying here in the Good News Translation, Surely you know that when you surrender yourselves as slaves to obey someone, you are in fact the slaves of the master you obey, either of sin, which results in death, or obedience, which results in being right with God. That word slave, I believe, is one of the most important aspects, one of the most important, encompassing, fulfilling, uh, descriptive words of the New Testament that describes a Christian like no other. Think about it. I think we've lost the impact of what God is trying to tell us sometimes. We've been brought up with servants the word servant. And, and, and that's been great and that's been fantastic. And we understand that aspect of it and we live in that aspect of it. And there's not a problem with that. But I think we've lost the impact of what God is trying to say when he's, he's saying, We're not actually, we're more than servants. We're actually slaves. And I believe if we want to describe ourselves, we are slaves of the Most High God. We say servants of the Most High God because that sounds fantastic. But we're actually slaves of the Most High God. Uh, I looked at one of the Greek dictionaries and and it says there the word doulos means slave. The meaning is so unequivocal, it's so unambiguous, it's so conclusive, it's so absolute. No study of history is necessary. It always means slave. And yet it is not always translated slave. It always means slave and yet it is not always translated slave. Let me read you a verse out of Luke chapter 16 and verse thirteen. It says, "No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Mammon. Now I don't know about you, but when Tracy and I first got married well we're going back quite a few years, so let me just let me just start by saying that that my my bring home pay when we first got married, I was bringing home eighty five dollars a fortnight. That was my wage. Now, for some of you, you probably laugh. That's probably your your allowance that you get from your parents today, or well, that's that was my entire wage, eighty five dollars a fortnight. So forty two dollars. I think Tracy was even bringing less than that. $41 or something a, a week, $85. So we used to struggle to a certain degree, well, to a large degree. And, and so in our struggles, I felt, well, you know what, I used to work for the Commonwealth Bank. That's what my salary was. But we, we, then we had, Brad came along and we, we, used to, we would try to find money to be able to buy the, the things that we needed to buy. So I had to go out and get a second job. And so I worked for the Commonwealth Bank during the week and then on a, Saturday, on a Friday night I would work at the Shell service station up at Hallam here and, and I'd go right through, I'd work right through the night and some nights it was, man, it was hard and my eyes would be hardly, you know, keep them open but I, I had to work two jobs to be able to pay some of the bills and then when at 7 o'clock or whatever it was in the morning, Saturday morning uh, you know, the sun would rise up and then, then Trace would arrive and she would take over and she would work there for, her, and I would go home and have some sleep and <coughs> So you know what? I work for the Commonwealth Bank and I work for Shell. I actually had two masters. And so when you read that scripture, no man can serve two masters, we lose the impact of what it's trying to say because I actually served two masters. And some of us today have probably got two and three jobs. And certainly since the pandemic, some people have three jobs because they want to have casual jobs. So they have three. So it's actually serving three masters because you know what? You get paid, so they become your master. You do whatever the Commonwealth Bank tells you. You do whatever the shell in Hallam tells you to do. So let me read that scripture again the way it's meant to be read. No servant, or, and that's correctly translated, because that's from the Greek word oikites, which means a domestic servant. So no servant or no actual domestic servant can do you douluo, which is the verb of of doulos. In other words, no, no servant, no actual domestic servant can be a slave to two masters. For he either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot be a slave to God and mammon. And so now it takes on a whole new meaning about that's what it actually means. It's not just about being a servant now. It's about I can't be a slave to two people. And so when I've chosen life, I choose life, I choose God, I've chosen that, and now all of a sudden, I am a slave to God, and I'm a slave to the things of righteousness, because I can't be a slave to both, because I've made my choice, so now I'm a slave to God. The Bible uses uh, various terms to describe our Christianity. It talks about in the New Testament. It talks about that you know we're called children of God, which we're called heirs and joint heirs, members of the body of Christ. We talked about we're designated as branches and as sheep, and all of that's okay because it, it brings out different facets of who we are in Christ and talks about our relationship with Christ and how we can relate to Christ in different aspects. But I want to bring us back to the most important word which gives me the fullest understanding of what salvation is all about, and that is the word slave. It doesn't sound nice, does it? It doesn't sound inviting. It doesn't sound fantastic. But to me, that's exactly what salvation is all about. I don't get, a cho- I don't get to choose to consecrate my life because it's not a choice. I don't get to choose to how much I want to give, how much I want to give up for God. I don't get to choose how much time I get to, to read my Bible. or, or uh, It's not a choice anymore because I'm now a slave. I've made my choice to follow God and now I'm a slave to him. Pastor David talks about the slave market and um, you know, into the slave market, the slaves are on the, on the block and then you walk in there and the, and the master walks in and he, he looks around and he, he chooses who he wants and he, he pays for that slave and, he, and then he takes that slave home, that slave belongs to him and, and then he controls that slave and he, he, he provides for that slave and he, he disciplines that slave and he protects that slave and he rewards that slave, that slave becomes his possession, now, think about that in the, in, in the salvation realm. Jesus came down into the, into the marketplace of sin and he looked around and he chose each one of us and then he paid the price. The price, his precious blood. He paid, his body, broken for you and me. He paid that price. And then he said, well, okay, you are now mine. And he gets to control us. He gets to, to reward us. He gets to discipline us. He gets to, to keep us. He gets to protect us. And he gets to do all the things that a master does in order to be able to say that, that you're my slave. You belong to me. But in order to be a slave, there's got to be a master. Right, You can't just be a slave without a master, and you can't be a master without a slave. So Romans 10 and 9, and Pastor Larry read it just before, uh, in a different context, if you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So what does that mean? What does that mean, Brian? Do I just speak out and say, well, yeah, I, I believe that Jesus is Lord. No, there's a deeper meaning to that because I've now recognised that I'm a slave. I've now recognised that I've made my choice to serve God and now it's gone a bit beyond that. It's not just about uh, about how much do I do and what do I do. Now, if I confess that Jesus is Lord and that word Lord comes from the Greek word kurios, which means the supreme one, the supreme master, the one who is above and over all. And so therefore, if I confess that Jesus is the one with, who has supreme authority over me, then I can be saved. It's not just about talking and saying, yes, I believe God. It's about acknowledging that he is now the ruler over my life. He is my Lord and master. He is the one with the supreme authority over me. We hear a lot of messages on the goodness of God and, 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 and that's true. We hear messages on, on the fact that you know, he wants us to prosper and be in good health and that's absolutely true. He will supply our every need. Ask and it shall be given unto you. All of those things are true. They're scriptural, they're Bible. I don't want, to, don't want to take away from that. But the New Testament doesn't teach me that I am Lord with a small L-O-R-D and that he is my slave, but that he is Lord, capital L. And that I am his slave. He is the one with supreme authority. Not me. Hallelujah. And and that's the center of the, the New Testament teaching. That's the center of consecration. That Jesus is the Lord and that I am a slave who understands that that obedience is the necessary, the, the necessary response to, to being a slave. Luke 6.46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? Why do you call me Master, Master, and do not the things that I say? Why do you call me the one with supreme authority and then don't do what I ask you to do? Romans 10 and 12, For there is no difference, both of Jew and Greek, for the same Lord, for the same Master, for the same person with supreme authority is overall and rich to all who call on him. We need to understand. We need to get it back into context and understand what it's saying here. So often we just and I, I am just as guilty as everybody, anybody else. And I love the word servant. I loved because it. And it, I don't mind serving you. You know, at, at the um, at our church, we used to we used to run uh, one of the guys there. You know, when he came to the church to visit the church and and. Um, and I've, I think I've said this here before, and I might have said it in our Connect group. Um, and it's, not, it's no reflection. I'm not trying to big note. What, but he, he said, Look, he said, a couple of months after he'd been there for a while, he said, Brian, he said, I, I came back to this church, he said, because I saw you as the pastor after service in the kitchen washing dishes and drying dishes and cleaning up and sweeping the floor. I don't mind serving, I don't have a problem with serving. And I'm sure every one of us will say exactly the same thing. But oh, you want me to be a slave? You want me to actually to get down on my knees and grow. You know, when you think of a slave, you think of somebody that's that is lower. You know, you've got to here with the Lord and the master, then you've got a servant, and then you've got a slave. You know, a slave has no rights. They, um, they're not their own, they belong to their master. But they frequently, frequently become part of the family. And, and the master, the slave doesn't have to worry about, about where they're going to, um, next meal is going to come from. And this is what Pastor Larry was saying before, you know, we, we don't have to be anxious about anything. The slave doesn't have to worry about where the next meal is coming from, who's going to pay the bill, who's, where, where's the next amount of money from the rent or the mortgage going to come from, because the master takes care of all of that. The slave is just there. The slave is looked after by the master. And that's our relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to worry about where our next meal is coming from or how we're going to pay the rent or the mortgage because the Master's got it in His hands. We're just His slaves, and He's got it in total control. And when we when we grasp that, all the fears and the anxiety that we might have just dissipate and go, because we know that we're in the Master's hands. How easy! It, oh yes, yes, it's demeaning to be called a slave. But look at the look at the rewards. You don't have to worry about anything. Uh, we were we were um, uh, one of the things at work. We have a we have a joint meeting, and one of the guys was asked. He said, "If you could go back to the the uh, the best age, what, what would be the from your perspective? What would be your best age?" And he said straight away, "21, 21." And uh, they said, "Well, why 21?" Because he said, "I'm at home. i no no worries." Uh, I've got my meals cooked for me. I've got my clothes washed for me. I don't have any, I don't have to pay the rent. I don't have to pay the mortgage. Oh, it's all taken care of. Well, guess what? It's all taken care of in Christ, and you don't have to worry. You can be 21 in Christ. Think about it, <laughs> all your 66-year-olds. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> the master takes care of all of that. And so that shouldn't, you know, come unto me all ye that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And that's what it means. That's exactly what it means. Now listen to this. John chapter 15, verse 14. It says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And so this is interesting. That's a great friendship, isn't it? You are my friends if you do what I command you can be my friend if you do what I tell you to do. That's a, that's pretty good, isn't it? <clears throat> um, is that what it's saying here? Is that what it's, is that the is that the meaning of this particular verse? Let's look at it a bit deeper. You know, if you I'm in charge of you and I command you to do something, and if you do it, then you're my friend. But that's not what it's saying here. You know, the point of this particular verse here: you are my friends if you do what I command you. It's obedience is not the condition of friendship. Friendship is the result of your obedience. Now, there's a big difference there. And we need to understand that, right? It's not a condition of my friendship, but it's a result of, friendship is a result of my obedience. Jesus is not saying, if you want to be my friend, if you want to be my friend, then you do what you you need to do, what I ask you to do. He's saying that if you obey me, then you are automatically, my friend. Oh, that, that is so powerful. We need to understand that. We talk about ourselves, you know, I am, we sing the song, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. And we are, if we do what he tells us to do. Hallelujah. We should put a little verse in there. I don't know if that's in there, actually. <laughs> if we do what he tells us to do. Try and add that in there somewhere, CJ. <clears throat> yeah, John fifteen fifteen. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master does. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So now we have the privilege of being a slave who gets called a friend who gets led into all the secrets of the Most High. As a slave, they don't understand, they don't know what's going on in their household. A slave doesn't have a clue what's happening because the, the, the master does it all and he takes care of everything. But now we're a slave who is a friend who is now made known the Father. Who, it, it, Jesus now reveals to us everything that the Father has revealed to him. And so we become his friend because we are his friend. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that beautiful? Reflection of who we are? Yes, we're a slave, but we're a friend of God. He lets us into all the inside secrets. That means he's in charge. He commands, we obey. But we obey with understanding the full ramifications and understanding, uh, knowing exactly what the end result's going to be, knowing exactly where God wants to go and what he's trying to achieve. On um, <clears throat> on Wednesday at Connect Group a couple of weeks ago, um, Ian brought a couple of, God had spoken to him during the day and he'd written something down and he'd brought that <clears throat> on the Wednesday night at Bible, at, at, at Connect Group. And he also brought a couple of other things um, uh, thoughts that um, Bill, Bill Johnson had written down. And one of the thoughts he'd written down really just hit my heart because I, I was preparing for this, for this message and <clears throat> it just spoke so strongly to me. It said there, we can only go in friendship with God where his lordship has already been. We can only go in friendship with God where his lordship has already been. In other words, when we've recognised him as Lord and Master, as the one with supreme authority, then we can go in friendship. Then we can be his friend. We can, and it just spoke to me, just really confirmed exactly what... I took that as confirmation that this is what it's talking about. This is what God wants us to understand. And that's the basic truth of, of Christianity. Jesus is Lord. And when I say I'm a Christian, I'm saying that Jesus is sovereign over my life and that whatever he wants, I submit to him. And at the end of the day, that's what consecration is all about. It's not trying to work out oh, what can I give up? What can I what can I put aside? What can I it's, it's not about that. It's recognizing that Jesus is the supreme authority over my life. And that and that I need to be obedient to whatever he wants me to do. Can I just read some scriptures out before I close, with which talk about which I guess the Bible has translated servants um, instead of slaves. Acts 4:29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant to your slaves that they will, with all boldness, they may speak your word. Philippians 4, uh, 1 and 1. Paul and Timothy, the slaves of Jesus Christ. Romans 1:1. 1 1, Paul a slave of Jesus Christ. I'm going pretty fast. Sorry, guys. 1 Corinthians 7.22, For he that is called in the Lord being a slave is the Lord's free man. Likewise, also he that is called being free is Christ's slave. Galatians 1 and 10 says, For now do I persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I would not be a slave of Christ. I could go on and on. There was verse after verse, Ephesians 4, 6 and 6, 1 Peter 2, 16, Colossians 4 and 12. Verse after verse shows us that we are slaves of Jesus Christ. We are slaves to righteousness, but we are slaves of Jesus Christ. You know, the parable of the ten of the, the ten talents, and we all know the parable. Um, you know, the, the Lord gave uh, one servant 10, one servant 5, and another servant 2. And we understand that the one that had 10 and 5 came back when the, when they called, when the, the Lord called them to account. And they came back, brought them, said, yep, I've made another 10, I've made another 5, fantastic. And the, and the, the response there was, well done, good and faithful servant. I, I preached a, a five-week a five series on that, just on those five words. Well done, good, faithful servant. But if I only realized, my last last message that I preached in that series would have been well done, good faithful slave. And my message would have been totally different than what I preached on that on that series of five, because that's what it means. Well done, good and faithful slave. Well done, good and faithful slave. Well done, good and faithful slave. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, For let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And sometimes we think, well, I'm not going to be a slave. That's so demeaning. That's so belittling. That's just so beneath me. I don't mind serving, but you want me to be a slave. But Philippians 2 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a slave. Took upon himself the form of a slave and was made in the likeness of men. So if you're having a little bit of a, a, a trouble thinking that, you know what, that's beneath me, being a slave. Think again, because Jesus made himself in the form of a slave. We have a loving master who is all wise he is compassionate he's generous he's powerful he's resourceful he's protective kind merciful forgiving who takes us from being just a slave into into making us a slave who is also his friend but wait for it and takes us from being a friend to a son And a joint heir with Jesus Christ, and a citizen, not a slave, a citizen of the kingdom of God. If we could only understand what that word slave actually means and how much we should apply it to our lives, we've got to recognize that we are first and foremost a slave, but God exalts us to something so much higher. One preacher said it this way, He sought me, He caught me, He bought me, He taught me what I ought to be. And so it's all about Him and not about me and to Him a slave I'll ever be. He sought me, He caught me and He bought me. Slave or not, I'm glad I am His and that He is mine. Amen.